and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, the podcast where we sit around and talk about all things geeky, all the while giving each other points to determine who is the geekiest. So this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that was at D23, and we know there's some folks out there who want to go into, say, seeing Rise of the Skywalker uh, clean. So around one hour and eight minutes, we start talking about the trailer that was released at D23. Um, For about 10, 12 minutes, we talk about what was in the trailer. Um, and then the conversation devolves into how to run a better empire and all sorts of other Star Wars shenanigans that doesn't really affect uh, the upcoming movie. So you got about 10, 12 minutes worth of us discussing the trailer. So if you, want, if you get to about a uh, one hour, eight minute mark, uh, just skip forward about 12, 13 minutes and uh, you'll catch up with the rest of the shenanigans we're doing. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the Geekiest Podcast. This is Joe, and I'm still trying to figure out what to use a D30 for. Hey, this is Pete, and I'm still trying to figure out how to save Spider-Man. Uh, hi, I'm Max, and uh, uh, I play Magic the Gathering sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. And we love you for it. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Max. Uh, so, so as Max pointed out, he is a Magic: The Gathering player. Uh, why don't you, uh, you you played kind of professionally? Uh, yeah, briefly. So I started playing like in two thousand and one, and um, kind of like messed around on the fringes of like professional play for a number of years like you know just really not being very good but like playing all the time so competing in you know various local tournaments and meeting other players that were you know most most of whom were considerably more skilled than me um and got to be good friends with some of the the better uh local players and um Eventually, I think it was about 2011, so like 10 years later, I actually won a uh, an online uh, qualifier for the Pro Tour, and that qualified me for a tournament in, in uh, Paris, France, and uh, nice. yeah, so I, I, that was my first and, and only appearance on the Pro Tour. <laughs> I mean that's one more than probably ninety nine percent of everybody. Yeah. So and and it's something that like you know it's the the big thing in magic now is that like the whole pro scene is like in total like flux and turmoil and no one knows what it is anymore. It's like completely nebulous. So like you know it was I I, I felt fortunate that I got to be a part of something before it completely changed. But yeah, I did I did. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. That's big yeah. time. You know. I mean, I feel like a lot of us whatever our thing happens to be that we're really into you know we um 
it's hard to get to that point where you're like, man, I made it. Um, you know, I think that's a struggle that we all face day to day. And that's really cool. Uh, I can only speak for myself when I say, like, I would love to go to Paris. And I have certainly never been to Paris. Uh, that's really, really cool. Yeah, it was an awesome opportunity. I mean, I love to travel. Like, I've been to so many places. And very, you know, some of them for magic, but a lot of them just because, like, I've been fortunate to have opportunities to travel around. And that was one of my favorite trips of all time just because i mean it just meant so much to me to be able to like compete in something that i love to do yeah and uh the fact that i you know it was so validating to think like okay i put 10 years into playing this and i'm like actually good enough to play against you know these people that do it professionally and you know it wasn't like i i won the tournament or anything but it was still a nice time and, yeah yeah and i mean i think it's also such a great um uh, a great story for others in terms of like it took you ten years before you right, you know yeah. even got to that point where where you were even like at that level of like you know like you just said I didn't win but I went and it was great and the opportunity was cool and I think that it's so easy for us to like something and be enthusiastic about something and say like oh I'd love to do that on a big you know on a big kind of big big time level uh, right. and then a little bit of practice and it gets frustrating and you're like well. Forget it, you know. Eh. Yeah, and magic that can definitely be super frustrating because there's so much, you know, variance in what happens, and because like understanding that is really a part of just like becoming a good player because it's not like you can affect it that much, and you know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches and realize it's a part of it. And mm -hmm. I still think about how that how that tournament went for me in <laughs> like every like. You know, because it started off really good, and then it kind of took a dive. And so I still think about like, you know, where I, you know, zigged when I should have zagged, and and yeah. games that I played almost ten years ago now. So it's like, it's just one of those things. But uh, so outside of Magic, I know uh, you're you're a bit of a video game player, um, and you were even oh, doing yeah. you were even doing some some Twitch streaming. Yeah, I had been for a while. I kind of had to take a backseat to it because I've just been so busy with life and work and everything else. But uh, yeah, I started streaming on Twitch about a little over a year ago, um, mainly playing like some Hearthstone, which is like a, you know, I'm sure most people that listen are familiar with it, but it's basically like a digital port of like, you know, Blizzard's magic-like game that's yeah. all World of Warcraft characters and stuff. And, uh, and then occasionally I would play some Magic Online, but Magic Online is famous for being one of the most boring and abysmal programs to use in history, so <laughs> it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, something I, I loved to do. But eventually they did uh, come out with a new, uh, a new digital client, the, the Magic Arena client, which is actually pretty good, so I streamed a bunch of that. Uh, streaming's tough. Like, uh, it's something I always wanted to try doing. I'm a big... I consume a lot of streams. Like, I, I watch a lot of streams. I, I love the kind... I know a lot of people that are involved in that whole thing. And it's just a lot harder than it looks. Like, I'm sure you guys have probably found out with podcasting. Like, it's just a lot harder to... You know, and you and you get to you know edit and <laughs> yeah. No, there, when, when we when we first were, were putting this together, there was a, a thought about doing this live stream on Twitch and uh, we quickly disabused ourselves of that notion. Editing is nice. 
being able to change the mistakes of the past. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. People like live stuff, though, because it's, it's so real and raw. And, like, I think people really like, like, the fact that, even if they don't really think about it consciously, like, the fact that, like, anything could happen and, you, like, you get to, like, see people's honest reactions to things is, like, definitely a part of oh, why man. streaming is so... <laughs> I get what you're saying, but that would be so problematic on so many levels. Oh, sure. Like, when we turn into Real Housewives of podcasting, like, this is... I thought for the longest time thing. I was going to have it be, like, a running gag on... I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the big, like, epic fails videos of Twitch uh-huh. streamers mm-hmm. on YouTube where, like, they forget to turn off their camera and, like... The next thing you know, a guy's like, you know, got a bottle of Jergens and he's flipped over to like Pornhub. Like, that was going to be like the running, the running joke at like the close of my stream is like I was going to pretend to like forget to turn off my camera and be like, all right, let's see here. Like, Every episode ends with a bottle of Jergens and typing www.sellmeachild.com. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the, the chat is just like going crazy, like turn on, like, you know, like they're all like trying to stop you. That is worth the filthiest geek point ever as far as I'm <laughs> yeah, concerned. Filthiest I, I wasn't I wasn't doing it consistently enough to have it be like a a good thing to have a running <laughs> a running gag, but uh I would just like to point out that when it's not a consistent running gag, you're just gross. You just <laughs> You're just a bad. No, I mean, person. I never, I never actually did it. It was just like in the back of my mind, but, but like I never, I never did the stream consistently enough to have yeah. like a running gag be worth it, you know, for three people watching or whatever. But if I ever do get to that point, I think that will be uh, one of my. Uh, hopefully, I didn't ruin it. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Yeah. Pulled up that curtain. I think it'll and let us all see. I think it'll still have the desired effect. But. <laughs> For them or for you, just just ballpark. Oh, for me, it would just be hilarious. Yeah, okay, well, that's what matters. Funny, but but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just very like it really is like a lot of work. It doesn't seem like it would be because it seems like you're just playing a game and talking. But like most of the time, when I'm playing a game, I'm not talking. Like I'm Mm. not into. I'm not reading chat. Like I'm not interacting with people. Like I'm not worried about ambient noise in my house. Yeah, that's that's where um, you know the, a lot of the the some you know the the live stream D and D games you know especially where like the the cast not only is playing the game but they're also paying attention to chat. I have no idea how that seems like a nightmare. How how you would manage that um, as a DM? I think I would be really irritated to find out like you know that Pete's over here you know making sure that you know. You know, Blue Fisherman One Two Three Four is you know excited about what's going on, or you know wants to know you know what T-shirt you're wearing. It's Bonnaroo again. <laughs> Hilariously, uh, I've never been to Bonnaroo, uh, but every week I'm just going to wear a different Bonnaroo shirt because awesome. it's a running gag. Uh, is that ours? I is I, that ours? <gasps> that might be yours. That's weird. That might be yours. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Well, it's up to you. Does it seem like I'm appropriating somebody else's fandom? Uh, maybe. Fair enough. I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I, I have no clue, like how how you would manage that. Um, and also as a DM, uh, and and Matt Mercer has mentioned himself, like when you are DMing for the internet, they are going to call you on all sorts of missteps and and misrulings and whether or not you followed according to what Jeremy Crawford said last week on Twitter when he gave a sage advice answer. 
about you know whether or not yeah. uh, Dragonborn's uh, you know dragon hide feet stacks with them being a monk. Does it? It does. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I feel like it's like that with that. That that's almost part of it. Like you're you're. It's like you're giving people like a platform to backseat game mm. and like critique and like just ha- like have a little bit of a you know uh, I don't I don't know what part of your brain or whatever that that like stimulates but I've even found myself doing it like when I watch other people play games that I'm familiar with and like you say something and they may not even read it or see it, but it like gives you this weird sense of satisfaction. Like, like, like I, I knew the answer. Like it, <laughs> it goes back to like, you know, grade school or whatever. <laughs> like, what did the internet do to us? It really made us. Yeah. It really made us strange. Listen, people, I was snarky but... before the internet. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, when you were in the theater yelling, no, no, don't go in that room. The killer's there. Like you're going to piss off 50 people. But the rest of the right. world's not going to know about it. But it's like you don't even get the acknowledgement. It's like no one even, you know, the only people that even saw it were reading chat. And, like, most of them aren't even going to respond to you or say anything. So it's like, what did you actually accomplish? But that's like... Self-satisfaction? If you, if you watch Twitch streams, it's literally just thousands of people doing that, like, nonstop. And, like, you know, posting funny, like, pictures and heads and... Yelling like in all caps, take your bra. It's a strange, yeah. It's a oh, really that's not the same. Is that not the same no, live stream? No, that's, that's the live stream that I'm. Oh, there are definitely people oh, saying that on yeah, Twitch. No. <laughs> also true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to add um, when I was yelling at three days, three days of rain on Broadway, starring Julia Roberts, uh, Paul Rudd, and Bradley Cooper. They heard me. Okay, they heard me. Okay, one geek point. <laughs> Two, but did you yell, take your bra off? I, yeah, but Paul Rudd was, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was very happy to have put Take that on the tee for you. It seems like such an odd thing to, because unless you're only wearing a bra, it's like you're not, re- it's almost like you're just, you just want them to be more comfortable. You're Let like, me introduce you to my friend, the internet. You look like you've had a long day. Take your bra off. off. Relax. Get yourself a cup of tea. Stretch. Yeah. It sounds, when was the last it time you got up nice. and walked around a little? It sounds nice almost. I, I, did you have some water? You yeah. need some water. Hydrate. <laughs> Don't forget to hydrate. Yeah. Have an apple slice. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe a nice little cucumber salad. <laughs> See, that's the side of the internet you don't have. You don't have the caring side of the internet. Can, can sure. we be an obnoxiously caring corner of the internet? <laughs> like, going too far. All caps. Eat a motherfucking apple slice. <laughs> Do it. Do it now. Do it. No, more slowly. <laughs> see, not you. See, so went from from helpful to creepy. To creepy. <laughs> Literally quick, everything. Very I do. quickly. That it's what happen. I do. But that would actually be that'd be actually kind of funny to go into a Twitch Twitch stream and just start. Hey, have you guys all hydrated? There's actually a bot. There's a there's an automated bot on Twitch. The hydration bot. It'll tell you how many liters of like water you're supposed to have drank by the time like like if you type the chat command it says like okay by this time you should have consumed this much water and it's just an automatic command <laughs> that's an incredibly helpful thing yeah. as ridiculous as it sounds oh um, you can program the bots to do all kinds of amazing <laughs> i need that in my life <laughs> right yeah you know i mean true story i went to the doctor about two months ago and we were having a conversation about my water consumption and uh, I said to her, with this beaming sense of pride, 
I've been trying really hard to drink more water because you told me to drink more water. Yesterday, uh, I had a, a container, a water bottle on my desk that was X number of ounces, and I told her I drank it. Like, I filled it up, like, five times. It was, like, 100 ounces of water I drank over the course of the day. I was so proud because I was thinking, like, oh, people always tell you drink, like, 64 ounces of water a day, blah, blah, blah. She says to me, after I proudly declare I drank, like, 100 ounces of water yesterday, Oh, that's a good start. And I'm like, no, no, that's not the start. I'm there. That's it. That's where I was supposed to be. I went over and above by like 40%. She says to me, oh, well, you're actually supposed to drink half your body weight in ounces of water a day. Now, here's the best part. I misunderstood her and I heard you should drink half your body weight in water every day. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. And she goes, no, it's... I don't have that type of time. (laughs) No, it's important. And I said, I can't drink 120 pounds of water a day. (laughs) She just stared at me. She stared at me. It was a long time, a long enough time that it got awkward. And I went, what? And she goes, ounces. Half your body weight in ounces. And I go, well, I mean, it's still a lot. Ugh. Uh, ugh. It's still a lot. Come on. And uh, it hasn't happened since then. I hope she's not listening. Uh, it hasn't happened since then. But I'm trying. I'm trying. Man, that's all I got. I, I'm trying. You, you know what's interesting? Um, it's, you know, as we're just getting out of the summer and, and you know, summer for... I'm going to diverge from geekdom... Into sports ball. Hold oh boy. Hold oh, your... That's it. You're fired. <laughs> Once upon a time. Wake me when you're done. <laughs> Once upon a time, your your co-host here was a high school football player. I'll try to love you anyway. It's not going to be the same, though. Um, Friday nights, we'd have football. Saturday, I'd be at my friend's all day playing D&D. So... I guess that's fair. But... What, what position Does do you play? Does that mean you get a Jocks Machina shirt? I should get a Jocks Machina shirt. Uh, I was I was a offensive and defensive lineman. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm just offensive. <laughs> Sometimes defensive, I guess. But they always are, you know, stressing. Oh, you, you need to stay hydrated. You need to stay hydrated. Um, there, as the summer, you you'll see all the time. You know, sadly, at least once or twice a year, there will be a story in the news about a high school football player or a college football player either having a serious problem or even dying on the football field. Right. And there has never been a case of someone dying from uh, dehydration. There has been several cases, though, of water intoxication, where they are pushing so much water on these athletes to drink. There is a point where your body can consume too much water, and it throws your electrolytes off and causes all sorts of issues. Um, but no one has ever died of dehydration of a, on, in a sports-related No, now, now, now um, heat stroke sure. and that sort of thing, yes. But actual dehydration, no, it is really hard to yeah, die of dehydration. Yeah, constantly giving you water and yeah. constantly, hmm. like, making but, you drink water. Yeah, so, but the constant, like, you gotta drink water, you throw off the electrolyte balance and, you you know, you'll fall out, you have major issues, hmm. and unfortunately, sometimes you can even die, so... Do, we'll verge do, back. Do, to, do. <laughs> we'll verge back to to geekdom. I'm up. What? I'm away. All, All right. right. I'm away. Right. Um. So, wow. This has been like a massive week for for geek culture. 
It has been a week. So, there are going to be spoilers. I want to just go right ahead and establish right now, right up front, uh, I realize that some people want to stay as virginally crystal clear uh, on spoilers as possible. That's fine here at The Geekiest. We respect that. That's cool. Um, but without a doubt, if you are the kind of person who doesn't even want to see the trailers, we're definitely going to be talking about things that were talked about and announced and videos, etc. Uh, coming out of D23. Um, so that said, if that is not something that you want to hear, we'll, we'll get back to you. Uh, we'll come back around in, in just a little bit. But um, we are not going to... I, I don't think any of us has any kind of extra special hidden knowledge. Uh, so there is not going to be any kind of spoilers going on here that you could not have consumed either through D23 News or through trailers um, or in your day-to-day browsing on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to get, though, before we get to the D23 news, wanna, we should maybe tackle a couple other things because D23 news would, could take up everything. Many podcasts. Um, so one of the things I saw that I, I thought was pretty interesting is... And, and I'm saying this with trepidation, um, but Lily Wachowski has announced that she is writing and directing Matrix 4. Um, and apparently Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss are in on it. So this Matrix movie, is this one I should have seen by now? Oh, dear God, Pete. No, I'm kidding. I've seen that one. Okay, okay. Because, Pete, if... We could give you a, we could give you a pass on, on, on Rocky. Sports ball movie. Sports ball movie. I quasi give you a pass on... You've the... never seen Rocky? <laughs> Look, I'm going to just... I'm not going to relive that shame. You go back and you listen to our podcast. <laughs> um... I, we can even kind of give a little bit of pass on the Bourne identity, and you haven't seen the entire span of Bourne. It was good. But if you're going to say Matrix no. was something you had missed, no. I was I was going to make you leave the house. <laughs> I'm going to stream it right now while we while we discuss. <laughs> so uh, I, I I'm I'm of two minds on the the Matrix floor. Um, the first is okay, cool. The second is wow. The third. The third kind of left things in a place that didn't need to be. That was the cat. Um, so, but I'm 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 trepidatious but optimistic. Um, but but if they have Keanu and and Carrie Ann Moss locked in for that, uh, at least it's not a reboot. Uh, yeah. I don't think we need a reboot of The Matrix. I think it's recent enough, and recent enough memory, that we probably don't need a reboot of The Matrix. Um, um, so, I have seen all three of The Matrix movies. Let's just go ahead and establish this right here. That I have two. That's a- a- And The Animatrix. And The Animatrix. Excuse me, and The Animatrix. Um, so, that said, because I am... Oh, I don't want to burn anybody here. Uh, I have seen... The first one many times more mm-hmm. than I have seen two and three. I think that's that's fair to say for most folks. Yeah, when I walked out of watching the first Matrix when it finished in the movie theater because I went and saw it in the movie theater like a self-respecting human being, um, 
I remember saying very specifically, I can't even remember who I was with, but I do remember that I said to this mystery person, uh, I really liked that. That was really good. I bet they're going to ruin it with some sequels. (laughs) (laughs) My exact words, because here's the thing. The first Matrix ends with exactly what I love in the end of a movie. It's a movie that ends with a conclusive ending, a complete story, with an openness enough that you could tell more stories. You leave some stuff to the viewer and their imagination. We don't need to then proceed to try to tell all of those stories. Just let that be it. I realize that the legacy that 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 was left by another film that did this, I love, but also another example of that format is A New Hope. A New Hope had this ending that was like, that was a very complete story we just told. Mm-hmm. By the end, we blew up the Death Star. We got rid of Darth Vader. Yeah. That guy's a jerk. Yeah. Uh, he didn't die, but he didn't have to. We got rid of him. We... We he saved Yavin. We, he, he spun <laughs> off and smelled like uh, feet wrapped in bacon. Um, and we, the good guys won. We had a party. We uh, showed that we were racist against Chewbacca's. Uh, and gave he should have got a medal. medal should have got a medal. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just going to stop in here. For the the uh, robot chicken reference, I think Pete gets a geek point. Oh, thank you. Um, we told the story, and it was done, and we could have ended Star Wars as we know it right then and there. Without two movies later making that kiss as they swung across the, the, the Death Star shaft, not have that incestuous tinge to it. You made it weird. <laughs> you had to go and make it weird. I, I couldn't agree more uh, about what you said about, I think, the first movie is... The first Matrix movie is like a great standalone movie, and it has that ending that like a lot of great like even like especially old Hollywood movies have, where it's like the story's complete, but like there's room left to tell other stories and to possibly revisit it. But it's like this in and of itself is a complete story, and I really love that about the first movie. And then of course, with anything that blows up, they're gonna make more. Um. So yeah, I. I agree with you as well. I, I, the, the first Matrix movie ended and it was like, whew, that was a story and a half, you know. Oh, Doctor. Yeah, you know, you're just, it, it, you're, it's good. We're good. We're good. Don't need anything else. This, and I'll even go to the second movie. Like, so therein lies the problem for me is um, I've watched all three of them, but I've watched the first one numerous times. I have definitely seen the second and third ones more than once. I don't know how well I remember them at this point. Not at all. Um, (laughs) You know what? It's more pieces of the second and third movies. Yes. I remember something about, vaguely something about, like, albino vampire ninjas. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's They're like bad trips. You remember, like, visuals, but you don't really remember a lot of the context. (laughs) Kind of how I remember the Animatrix. Kind of because of that reason. (laughs) I remember, like, the weird twins that he was talking about and, like, this, you know, there's a lot more of those sentinel things flying around. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you what they're actually about because, like, there's no reason for them to exist. Like, you told a story. You had a hero's journey of a guy going from, like, you know, inept non-believer and, and you know, yeah. lost in this new world to being 
a god in you know yeah. in that world. That's a complete story. You don't need yeah. to do anything else. But no, I totally agree. There's like like I think we all both like the second and third movie. You can cut pieces and go. Okay, the 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 albino vampire werewolf, whatever the hell they were, able to phase in and out of stuff. That was that was kind of cool. Uh, uh, I like the architect and the architect. Like that architect scene was kind of just oh, trippy. You, you mean Colonel Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you done. Got outside the matrix. Yeah, My still, seven still spices and herbs. Um. I'm not saying it made sense, but there was a visual thing to it, right. especially like when he like turned to like the screens and like you know there's like all the different variations of uh, Neo doing whatever and and that was that was interesting. Um, but yeah, like could I tell you what the story was about? Um, for some reason, I thought at the end he fights a giant baby on spider yeah. legs, but then I remember no, that's from Toy Story. But there was a giant baby head. Yeah, in the third one. Funny that thing, he, like had to like negotiate with or something. Yeah, like, I actually thought you were talking about the Wild Wild West. So definitely, <laughs> giant baby heads on spider legs are a problematic. That's the thing. thing from Toy Story. If you if you take the yeah. thing from the spider leg thing from Wild Wild West yeah. and the baby head from the Matrix, that they make that creepy thing from Toy Story. <laughs> and that's why it's all of our nightmares. <laughs> this is the worst shared universe. Yeah, no, this this does not need a cinematic universe. We'll definitely give Mark a, a geek it's point a for that. Floating back. Like, it's, oh, excuse me, Max. Yeah, oh, sorry. Thank you. It's, Mark was last week. I'm it's, sorry. It's creepy, but like a floating baby head that's talking is just not scary. Like it's like it's off putting, but just yeah, because you're like, all right, yeah. like be a baby. Like this is not you're not scaring me. Like. I seem to recall having read um, a like behind-the-scenes article about uh, Sandra Bullock vehicle, The Bird Box, that recently hit Netflix I... and was the talk of the town for a little while. Memed, um, memed right out of my, my desire to see that movie in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> um, not a great movie, and, and especially in that it was poorly timed being a little bit too close to a quiet place. It was yeah. more like a blindfolded place. Um, <laughs> and so uh, there were some moments in it that were pretty good. But the whole thing is, yeah, not not a great movie. But uh, there was this interesting concept that the thing that is going around causing people to kill themselves, spoiler alert, um, sort of essentially preys on people uh, psychically. So... Everyone sees something different. Everyone sees something that is so terrible it would compel them to commit suicide. And uh, the behind-the-scenes featurette, you never see what it is in the movie. Again, spoiler alert. Uh, I probably should have said that before I, I told you you're not, you're not going to see it. Um, but there was a point at which um, the production crew debated showing what this thing actually looks like in some concept art of what maybe it looks like. Which, of course, we all realize is the problem that once you visually represent something, it's once you visually represent something, it's never, ever, ever, ever going to live up to the fear of not knowing what that thing is, as right. Hitchcock famously observed. Yeah. Um, and the um, the bird box monster concept art was like an upper body of a baby attached to like a lower body of a snake, and I was like, that is gross but it's definitely not, it's not so frightening that it will compel me to commit suicide it's 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 a baby you on tea from yes uh, more or less except i think it was a giant baby on tea okay oh, so it's a you on tea abomination yeah 
So okay, I hope none of our listeners are currently actively taking their own lives out of fear of a giant baby Yanti abomination snake thing. Snake thing that Sandra Bullock is avoiding looking at. But you know that was the same thing with like Cloverfield. Like when they weren't seeing what was going on, and it was just you know that. I'll be honest with you. I, I finally saw that not too long ago because I was like, okay, everyone seems to like this movie. See, I'm not the only one who waits a long time to see some movies sometimes. Oh, I never see anything. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and I watched it and I'm like, because I wanted to see like, because th- there's the Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix and Cloverfield Lane on whatever else. I was like, okay, I should really see this. There's, there's like a a, a a trilogy, shared universe, whatever. I I should really... I watched the first. I watched the first movie, and I was like, "Okay, I'm not a huge fan of the found film genre." And but once you saw the alien things, it was like, eh. "Right, right, yeah, it's it's all right." It was it was. I think in its time, because I think that movie came out like not that. Uh, I don't remember exactly when Cloverfield came out, but I know it was like. A while ago, it was probably. I mean, it was obviously closer to like nine eleven than now. So I think at the time it had some of that like feel of you know the experience of people really on the ground in this like horrible catastrophe or whatever. But it's true. Yeah, I think showing something that you don't have to show is always a is always a, a misplay. Uh, that was that's like one of the things I love about like one of my favorite movies, uh, The Thing, is that the monster could literally be any of those people. Oh, so yeah. it's like Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, like it you know, it, it it made the whole thing so much more tense and like the fact that uh you know, they could show it but it could really appear as anything was really that like that's scary. I'm giving a cinema geek point for referencing the thing. I will second that cinema geek point. And uh, you know I love a, I love movies and uh, I love the the high concept of what what makes a movie good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is a good scary movie. The thing is another one that I didn't see uh, until only a few years ago. Also, uh, but man, is it good. So oh, I mean, so I, there's there's two versions. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you know, there's the 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 newer one, which was like the, one. which like yeah. the, what the 80s? early eighties. Yeah. yeah, the Kurt Russell one. Yeah, yeah, so good. Still holds yeah. up. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, it is based on an old book too. I'm trying yeah. to remember what it is. Yes, I'm googling. For some it reason, I for some reason I thought it was related to maybe something in the Lovecraftian universe. I thought I don't think it is specifically though. Definitely, John Carpenter really drew, particularly John Carpenter really drew on a lot of. Um, those concepts, especially stories like At the Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. um, using the Antarctic setting of, of being itself so you're, you're, alien. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, you can see that moved all the way through Alien versus Predator. So good? <laughs> that was a question mark. It's not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to all of our Alien versus Predator fans, but I didn't want you around anyway. Um, That's our, not true. I'm our our showrunner. Is it oh. Alien versus Predator? Well, you can stay. You can represent all the Alien versus Predator fans. Fine. Which one? The first one or the second one? The the, the Temple one. That was well, the I was talking one. about the other one, definitely. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime they try to like integrate into like the aliens are in a big city, not okay. But the the like Temple with the the Predators and the aliens and that whole story that was cool. You gotta yeah. admit that. I, the, it, it was. I, don't know, I love Predator too. Like seeing. Aliens taking out Rasta gangsters. That's my favorite <laughs> genre of 
film. I like that you you <laughs> your very your favorite genre of film is specifically aliens killing Rasta gangsters. Yeah, there's, there's nothing funnier to me than I mean I'm Jamaican so like there's nothing funnier to me than like Jamaican like patois like inter in like. In as written, where it as, shouldn't be. as written like by idea, white like, Hollywood writer, it's just it's funny even if they, even if it's not accurate. Like it's just a funny, silly language that makes no sense. So like when like somebody you know gets run through by a giant predator spear and then the thing you know he appears out of like the camouflage and somebody goes bomba clot that I'll die. I'll watch a whole movie of just that. Let's let's bring that back at this point. Yeah, just a whole movie about that. I don't need a plot. Just like. They land in Jamaica, go. (laughs) (laughs) Without a doubt, uh, one of my favorite lines from that movie, and uh, through most of my youth, movies as a whole, was absolutely at the beginning of that movie, whoever was the gangster going, voodoo fucking magic man. I think about that all the time. Yeah. That scene is so... A much quoted line by me. I think I'm going to have to watch that one again. Um... I, I just kind of uh, while we're on this whole Predators note, we were watching uh, at work the one day. We were watching Predators. That was the one where like they picked up people and brought them to the Predator hunting planet. Just recently watched it, and uh, we, me and a coworker, are sitting there eating at lunch and watching this. And he turned and he goes, "As soon as I realized I am on Predator hunt planet, he's like, I'm eating my rifle. I don't want to be gutted. I'm eating my rifle. I'm like, you know." Uh, Balancing it out, like, yeah, you, you know. Plus, you're stuck there with Adrian Brody. I mean, and his nose, who wow. has to get a separate credit. Yes, yes. I, don't, I would think that would be like the ultimate. Like, I mean, you'd have to think if you were brought there, you were brought there for like, or like. Then they pick all people that were like killers. Or it, that was, it was thing. Like, like, yeah, like, it was like, like they were like the they were like mercenaries and and they were all tough guys who yeah. theoretically tough, could defend and tough themselves. women and, and like the kid ladies. from the kid tough from folk. that '70s show was yeah. like a serial killer, but nobody knew it, and like so he was yeah. he somehow everybody's wondering. Oh yes, there. Was, was was this supposed to be a Topher Grace? Uh, yeah, it was Topher Grace. A Topher a Topher Grace vehicle. I really think it was a vehicle to to for us to realize that Adrian Brody could be a big action hero action hero a la Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, no, that was We see everything. how well that has worked out since. You know, I can't uh, wait for next year's Adrian Brody stars in Commando 2. <laughs> Going Commando. Is Topher Grace in this film? <laughs> Topher Grace plays the the plucky private He's he's fresh faced and new at the base. So he takes the uh, the the Rob Schneider roles. Oh man, oh man, yes. Oh yes. Oof. Okay, so uh, now that we took that little tangent. Uh, again, before we get to D D twenty three, before we give you guys the D, uh, we'd like to we'd like to deny you the D for a bit. Uh, we have to talk about the uh, the spider on the wall, don't we? Oh, I mean, we can kind of roll that into D23, but yes. Uh, okay, so I don't want to have to be the one to give a lengthy explanation on complicated legal issues. Uh, does anybody want to jump in here and give a concise explanation? Sure. So, Sony has the cinematic rights to the Spider-Man... Uh, Spider-Man and, and, and his... They say amazing, amazing friends. friends. <laughs> That's a geek point. <laughs> um, 
but they have they have the rights to the Spider-Man collection and uh, when Disney Marvel wanted to bring Spider-Man into Captain America Civil War they had to make a deal um, to do so uh, there were some shared resources but Sony uh, for for Spider-Man movies that Sony made they got 90% of the gross and Disney Marvel was getting 10%. Sony, however, was bankrolling those movies. Whereas Marvel was not really putting up much of anything. Uh, I mean, to be fair, they were putting up the creative talents of... Uh, of um, Kevin Feige. Kevin and, Feige. Yeah. Uh, which is... Yeah, no, no, no. I'm I not, mean, not a small potato kind of right, thing. Right. Um, but that was... The, the agreement was that, is that Disney Marvel could then have them in Civil War, Infinity War... And Endgame. Endgame. So apparently Marvel, Disney came back to Sony and said, Hey, we would like to change the deal. And this is a deal we offered you a couple years ago where we split the, 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 the profits 50-50. Or the revenues 50-50, not profits, because Hollywood math is uh, all sorts of, of funny. It's magical. Yeah. Um, to which Sony was like, um, but... But we're incurring all the costs. Um, and this is where the split is at. Now, I had read somewhere that negotiations are still open. Geez, I hope so. Um, that, but, but it seems to be they're stuck at this. We would like 50-50. Or, you know, Spider-Man can't be in our shared cinematic universe. I would find it very hard to believe they are not going to work something out. Here in the next um, hopefully less than a few months um, in theory we have some time it seems like before there was going to be another Spider-Man solo outing mm -hmm. in theory we have a little time in what we know the slate is where there's not a ton of expectation of seeing Peter Parker pop up in many places Ooh, Peter Parker pops up in places in places um Right now, as of August of 2019, <clears throat> our next Marvel movie is Black Widow, mm -hmm. uh, coming out the first part of next year, followed by The Eternals, um, and we're going to be doing a lot of delving mm -hmm. into Disney Plus stuff Yep, uh, that is all going to be considered canonical mm -hmm. to this shared MCU. Uh, but really, the point of this is to observe that it is unlikely... We will see Peter Parker pop up in uh, Black Widow's solo outing, which we pretty well know is going to be a prequel. Yeah. Um, um, Peter Parker's presence in a prequel is Yeah, is Peter Parker popping up in a prequel You're pretty good at that. is preposterous. Thanks. Not to mention prohibitive. I'm giving you both points for that. That was... That was... Do you think... Do you, like, what do you think of, like, precipitated this whole... Snafu with Disney, and so like, do you think they're just flexing because they're so big time now that like, I, I, you think I, because they own Star Wars now, they like, they were just like, I've altered the deal, pray we don't alter further. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to work that in because I wanted to work it in and I couldn't quite pull it off. And uh, it's a, that, it's that's definitely a, a point. That's a point. That's a point. Yeah, no, I, I I I think I think there's something to that. I think there's something to Disney going. Listen, look what you you know. Yes. You did well, you know, Far From Home did well. Into the Spider-Verse financially didn't do as well as people actually think it did, but it was critically received. Right. Um, homecoming, but 
your two cinematic Spider-Man movies featured Robert Downey Jr., featured John Favreau playing Happy Hogan, uh, you know, and referenced back all the things that were going on. Also, there was the Steve Rogers appearance. I, I hate to leave out Cap. I know it's a, and one Sam Jackson. One Sam Jackson. Um, so, I mean, there's, you know, there was none of those Spider-Man movies could you actually say were standalone because they were connected to the MCU. Unlike, say, the Spawn movie, which I couldn't even tell that that was related to Spider-Man, other than knowing that Spawn is part of Spider-Man's oeuvre. Wait, what? I broke out the oeuvre again. I no 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 no. I, I gave you a point for oeuvre last week. I'm not giving I'm you not, another I point. Wasn't, I was not fishing. Her. I was not fishing. They haven't. This incarnation of Spider-Man hasn't really had a non-MCU associated movie. Right. Not in the, the purest of senses. Right. It still leaned heavily right. on the the crutch of the MCU. Right. So, so the question is. Can Sony, with Tom Holland, make a, make a Spider-Man standalone movie that somehow doesn't reference anything from the MCU in previous? Oh. Or is it... Or, and I think what that we got to was um, there's no film in the, in the slate coming up for Phase 4. Yes, yes. That you could see Spider-Man showing up in for like a year or two. At least the next year. Right. Because um, I don't I don't think you're going to, you know, like Black Panther 2? Maybe, maybe. But that's a stretch. I mean, other than that, one of the Disney Plus series is maybe. Right. Yeah. You know, see him swing through on uh, Falcon and Winter exactly. Soldier. Exactly. Or the what ifs. Going to school with Wanda Maximoff and the Vision's kids. In WandaVision. I will go into why that's a theoretical possibility in a minute. Okay, so I I have to agree with you. I can't see these two mega corporation, money-loving giants who could definitely, one or both of them, sponsor this podcast. (laughs) I would love that. Really, I'm available. My name is Peter. I could be the other Peter's best friend, other Peter. I have... a tingle that is hard to explain. My web shooter goes thwip, thwip, thwip. No, 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 no. You cannot be with Peter Parker and mention your web shooter. <laughs> Just, no, like, no. What up, bro? And I wing. And I go like thwip, but I also point at my growing. No, don't, no. It's a different movie. That's, uh... <sighs> so, the 800-pound gorilla... In uh, nerd geek culture was D23, which is Disney's annual meeting to DisneyCon. Just yeah, it's DisneyCon. It's it's just look Marvel upon our works. <laughs> we own all the things now. I didn't even know that was a thing. It it's sounds a thing. so ominous. It's D23. Like it sounds like <laughs> it's like you know the G G7 summit, but. Um, there's more money somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Tire. Just... More opulence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically it is, it's Disney's going, you know, we should really have our own con, but we only really going to have our stuff. We're not going to worry about 
Warner Brothers. And good news, everyone. We own almost all the stuff. So, yeah, so they unveil, like, what's coming out for Disney's movies, what's coming out with Marvel movies, what's coming out with Star Wars movies, what's coming out at the parks. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack in the, the four days that was D23. So where do we want to start? Is it me? It's well, me. We can, we can start wherever. <laughs> so um, let's take a quick look at what we have officially announced. I'm just going to go down the list real quick, and then mm -hmm. we will we'll go into a little bit more detail. So next uh, next year, we already said we are getting uh, Black Widow, mm -hmm. which will be in May. Uh, speaking strictly of the movie theater, we that will be followed by the Eternals in November. Um, and in between those two, sometime on the Disney Plus service, we will be getting The Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the fall of 2020, somewhere in the neck of the woods around the Eternals. Um, about a year from now, give or take. And um, it's more than ever before worth noting <clears throat> what's going on in terms of streaming shows now because they are on record saying, yeah, we're going to make it all tie in. So if you want to know what's going on later, you better watch these shows that we're going to charge you for the stream for. Which is a nice departure from what happened with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where nothing that happened in that TV series had really any impact in the MCU. And the MCU had a vague impact on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And... You know, I mean, not for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. not wanting to. It was hmm. it was really clear through basically the entire run of the show that they were like, Senpai, notice me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, they wanted to play ball, but it was like they were the kid brother and the the cinematic, the, the movie cinematic universe was like, all right, go away, kid, you bother me. But, but see, but that's what made, that's what was weird because they made such a big deal when, it, when you know, Joss and Jed... You know, announced this and agent Marissa. and Marissa announced the the you know the agents of Shield and oh we're bringing Coulson and this da 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 and it's and they even were very this is going to tie in and it was like for like that first season or two there was you know referencing it's sort of like Lacroix you know it references the the fruit it's supposed to be tasting like. But not really. Can I point out that we're also willing to be sponsored by LaCroix, seeing as how now this is the second episode to reference LaCroix? Yes. Yeah, we were definitely... To which we will we will remedy our previous statements about LaCroix. And... It might be involved a little, little remedy. Yeah. I think that was, again, mostly me um, saying mean things. Um, but, you know, they, they referenced, you know, uh, like that, you know... Sorry. You know, that uh, they were making, you know super whatevers and you know all that stuff that led up to age of ultron but again it was like eh, okay kids Meh. um and i mean for me i think possibly even more disappointing was the lack of support for what was going on with netflix that was like the crime you know that that again the netflix shows referenced willing to play ball reference what was going on in the mcu movies you know but 
I mean, at least at the very minimum in the fact that they reference that, like, Thor and Captain America and the Hulk are individuals who we are familiar with what, and exist. Well, not only that, but there was referencing even to all the damage done yes. from the Avengers, the, 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 the attack on New York. Yes. Um, I understand that there comes a point where maybe you, uh, you feel like it's tough to, on a TV schedule that's coming out at a certain time of year, especially on a streaming thing, to then work it into, like, oh, the effects of the, the Infinity War snap or something like that. But certainly the the beauty, I thought, of the Netflix series is, um, was their willingness to tell a more kind of hard R sort of story that I understand in the theaters we maybe don't exactly want to do because we want to hit a, a wider mass audience. But I, I really I always appreciated that they were willing to tell more mature storytelling, darker mature storytelling in the, uh, the Netflix shows. And uh, what a shame that we didn't get a, a better tie-in. And, and uh, You know, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to show in these scenes of all this grandiose fighting going on to, you know, take a quick moment to look in on New York. And there's Luke Cage and Daredevil punching some alien guys right. in the face. Right, no, I mean, I definitely, like... It wouldn't have taken much there at Endgame to have, you know, as the portal things are opening up. Sure. To have, you know, the Defender step through. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then, weirdly, like, uh, Doctor Strange feels compelled to join them. And the Silver Surfer shows up. And the Hulk. And we're all like, those are the Defenders I know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so, going beyond next year. i got to throw a nerd point to their geek point to, to Pete on that for uh, <laughs> referencing for classic, classic defenders. Thank classic you. Defenders. Thank you. Um, so going beyond, we've got a lot of Disney Plus um, stuff in the. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was thinking that Shang Chi, uh, Master Kung Fu was going. Or excuse me. Uh, the cinematic version will be called Shang Chi: The Legend of the Ten Rings. I'm used to the comic being the Master of Kung Fu. Uh, will be in the theaters February 2021 followed by WandaVision in the spring of 2021, which I kind of really want to uh, take a moment to talk about because I think WandaVision represents a very interesting concept to me. Absolutely. So we know that the MCU is really going to push this concept of the multiverse harder as we go forward. They took the time to lay this groundwork in, in the Doctor Strange standalone, and we've dealt with this... Um, infinity gauntlet that snaps people in and out of existence and we've had some talk about changing timelines and how we create new universes etc uh and the the microverse and and all of these this potential fallout from quantum realm quantum realm thank you thank you i knew i was not hitting the right word and i couldn't come up with it so um here's the thing with wandavision um the scarlet witch we saw uh alive and well by the end of endgame but uh paul bettany's the vision has been deceased since uh, the end of Infinity War. Uh, spoiler alert on that? Oh, sorry. That's no. You're past your, okay. your expiration date there. All right, then. Uh, folks. Um, so, if we take a look at the comics history and we say, what can we draw from? Where, where are they going with this? What we know um, going into this is we have heard a little bit of a rumbling and also even seen at least one piece of concept art that the WandaVision show will present a suburban Dick Van Dyke-esque life for Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, and Paul Bettany, 
the Vision, uh, who is dead. So, for those that do not know, there was a series that came out a few years back written by uh, Tom King, son of Stephen King. Um, I think henceforth I'm just going to refer to everybody as their name, son of their father. Um, Thor Odin's son. So, it was um, it was just titled The Vision. Mm-hmm. And it established a storyline in which The Vision uh, built for himself a synthetic family of synthesoids of androids of humanoid androids because he wanted to experience and experiment with the concept of human life and how we integrate ourselves into into societies uh and mild spoiler alert things get weird and bad very very quickly it is almost kind of a twin peaks-esque kind of thing where on the surface it seems like oh this is a nice suburban story but things are dark under the surface I don't know if that's where they are going with this, but I would love for them to play with that idea, taking someone like Wanda Maximoff, who we haven't seen this in the movies, but in the comics, she works off this concept of being able to manipulate and alter reality, and also has this tendency to not have a real firm grip on her own reality. Well, that was going to say is there's... uh... First of all, Geek Point for referencing the the Vision series. Thank you. Um, enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I didn't get I didn't get to check it out. Um, so so one thing I read was there there is some speculation that this could all be Wanda's dealing with the grief post End Game because everyone else's loved one got to come back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but hers. Yes. And knowing that she has the the reality, I mean that was uh, wasn't that House of M, yes, uh, where she you know she freaked out and you know took out you know, no more mutants, yeah. Um, so so you 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 know you you've got that, which would make sense. Um, why do I feel like though at some point outside of that original that Vision series, so. There was a point in time in the comics where Wanda and Vision had children, and no one can actually ever explain how that really yes. kind of works. Yes, that was a thing. Um, they had twin children, to my recollection. Um, they would later go on to show up in the Young Avengers, as the Young Avengers, um, like you do, answer to. Um, there was one character named Wiccan who was a mix of Thor and the Scarlet Witch. Right. And the other one, I think he just went by the name Speed, and he was a Quicksilver-style character. Um, also with the hots for his sister? We can only assume. Okay. He came from some pretty complicated genetic stew. <laughs> um... <laughs> And this would all, like, uh, you know, a lot of the time with comics, you deal with a lot of conflicting storylines written by different authors, and some people... Different authors, different editors, different whatever. Yeah, whole creative teams. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of complicated to do going on with, (coughs) with, uh, the children of, of Wanda and the Vision, and, uh, I, I hope we get at least some inkling of those complicated storylines come Disney Plus's WandaVision. That would definitely be interesting. Because um, I heard in the, I guess what they showed was some clips from, like, in, they, they took clips from the, like, the Vision Wanda stuff going on. Because um, even in uh, Infinity War, I think it was, or was it Infinity War or Civil War? 
there's a point where Vision's seen wearing like a sweater or whatever, and that was a total callback to the Tom King Vision series. Yes, without a doubt. Um, so it'd be interesting, but I understand they took some of those clips and then like they interspliced in some like Dick Van Dyke, um, you know, uh, clips. So kind of the implication is part rom com, part superhero show. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's early. Um, we we don't know a whole lot. There's a lot of question marks. But um, honestly, the very first time I heard the name WandaVision, I was like, oh, that does not sound appealing. Yeah. And I also was like, the Vision is dead. What is this show? Is this a flashback? Are we going to see what was happening previously? And it hadn't occurred to me that we've kind of played with... Um, this this reality warping mm-hmm. concept uh, potential for her, and uh, it grew on me as an idea, and now I'm interested and curious. I'm, I'm I'm for some reason now like I'm in my head thinking in not Civil War, yeah maybe it was Civil War. Like they were you know they were saying something about being careful, and she says I warp reality or something like that. Um. So like there has been brief mentions of of her abilities, her powers, but. We've never really seen it play out in any of the, the MCU movies. I, I mean, I definitely... Uh, it was Civil War, and mm. um, there was the issue of who should be worried about who, whether who, whose safety should be the primary concern. Uh, other people, if Wanda should lose control of her powers, or Wanda with the concern of concerned citizens. Um, and it was around that time that I also feel like they very lightly played with the subtext a little bit of maybe Wanda Maximoff has has a little bit of maybe some emotional instability um, and a large, large, large amount of credit to uh, Elizabeth Olsen for her ability to express mm-hmm. you know, so much emotion and so much subtext that is not necessarily in the script that creates potential to come up later later on you know like she's struggling there's she's a child of uh, you know a, a war-torn eastern european nation who was kidnapped by uh nazis 2.0 and literally experimented on uh and given weird powers that's a lot yeah yeah that is definitely a it's definitely a rough start that is a D backstory if i've ever read one Whew, you got that right you got that right all right, so uh, that's there's also the what if series with 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 the Watcher being uh, the the host of the anthology there. The Watcher, played by Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey Wright of Westworld fame and uh, James Bond, Hunger Games fan. You're right, James Bond. Yep. Uh, and was it Catching Fire? I think where he first appeared in the Hunger Games movie, the second one. Um. That's that's a that's a geek point, even if it is okay. Hunger Games. Yeah, I don't feel like it's going that deep, but sure. Uh, but Jeffrey Wright, who I feel like has a great voice, he does. to just be a presenter and narrator in this What If series. Um, it's going to be animated, heard, correct? It's going to be animated. Uh, I'm hearing tell that they're saying there's going to be at least one episode for every MCO movie up to the first three phases, up through the first three phases. Um, that sounds like a lot. I don't know how they're going to work all that in, but I, I mean, there's there's plenty of material to mine there. I am hearing that the one they're really pressing at this point is Captain Carter, in which uh, yeah, Haley they Atwell's... they even showed uh, they even showed some uh, uh, artwork of of Haley Atwell's uh, Peggy mm-hmm. Carter in uh, 
I'm psyched about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was actually a pretty cool picture. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very felt very definitely World War Two era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the illustration for it. It's going to feature a uh, Iron Man esque suited Steve Rogers as I guess her sidekick, uh, some kind of helper um, with a suit built by built by Howard Stark. Um, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so. Other things that came out of D23, we got to see a trailer for The Mandalorian. Mandalorian looks great. Um, my brother, who is uh, pretty anti-Star Wars in general, I keep trying and he keeps resisting, uh, text messages me yesterday and with just a YouTube link, no context. Hadn't talked to him in a little while. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? And before I got a chance to click on it, it's followed by a text that says, well, I guess I might be into Star Wars now. <laughs> so he is pretty excited about that. Have you seen the trailer yet, Max? Uh, I, I believe I watched it, yeah. But I'm I'm going to lose all my points here. Like, I have no <laughs> idea. Like, I don't know what a Mandalorian is. Like, I, I thought that was a car. Boba Fett. So, right. so Mandalorian is a, okay. is a planet in the Star Wars universe that is renowned for their warriors. Um, if you go with, by, based off the Clone Wars, they sort of had like a, a warrior caste system. Um, they're one of the few places where they developed weapons to fight the Jedi and basically kept themselves because they weren't technically part of the Republic. They were kind of a third party. Yeah, they were. They weren't part of the the the. Those were like the the Maori looking dudes in the and episodes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they would. I'm I'm giving a point for that for for knowing that kind of Mandalorian. Oh yeah, stuff. I concur. For sure. They I they concur. had the black saber, I believe, is what they developed. The, the dark saber. Dark saber. The dark saber that appeared in uh, Rebels. I think it appeared in Clone Wars. It was in right? Clone Wars as well. Uh, so we we're. So yeah, they had the the, the dark saber, which was designed specifically to fight Jedi. They were never actually part of the Republic. They were kind of a third party. That was part of the Clone Wars thing. Was was whether they were going to side with the Federation or the or the Klingons? No, the Republic, the Separatists. Ah, the Confederacy. The, the, I was thinking of the Trade Federation because mm. that. That was really the mover and shaker behind that whole yes. separatist movement. Yes. Well, okay, Darth Sidious. I was, was really going to say the... definitely not the wrinkly guy. No. Okay, it was definitely okay. Darth Sidious. Because nothing was... bad ever came out of wrinkly old middle aged white guys who want to start a war. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, George Lucas, you're so subtle. <laughs> um, but yes, they were also the template for the clone army, which would be your stormtrooper 1.0s, or maybe. Your beta test stormtroopers, they were like a pre-release of your stormtroopers. The clone trooper. The clone trooper. trooper with yes. their very cool helmets. Based off of Jango Fett. Mm-hmm. Father, genetically, of Boba Fett. Bounty Hunter. Really? Like, clone. Oh, that's a really weird way of putting Boba? Yeah. Boba was a clone. a clone. Yeah, yeah, Boba was a clone. He just, all he had was, he didn't get the acceleration in the, uh, in, in the clone vat. Clone growth hormone? Yeah. Uh, and just to remind... The young actor who played liked our Instagram post two episodes ago. Just just bring that back up. That's <laughs> wow, that's big. That's an internal geek point for being a, a geeky fan of the geekiest podcast. 
I'll we're, give that to we're you. We're giving a geek point to him. It's it's geekception. Geekception. <laughs> I I was giving that one to Joe, but okay. I will also give Daniel Logan a geek point. For that, okay. Which really I hope just encourages him to come in and be part of the show. <laughs> and we'll just fawn over him and be like, "So you're Boba Fett?" Is is he uh, is he Kiwi? Is he from New Zealand? I believe or? he is. I think he is. I believe he is. So, um. So the Mandalorian was 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 a, a nice uh, reveal to finally get like that nice full trailer. See IG eighty eight. I was going to bring that up. Or, possibly the best part of that. Yeah, just badass. Um, and uh, the bad guy in the 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 clip is uh, he's a director, and I can't remember his name for the moment. I can see his face in my mind, and I can't think of who he is. This oh, is why uh, we have Warner, Warner Herzog. Yeah, I think... Yes, it is Werner Herzog. That's a point. Yeah. Good job. That is a point. So, yeah, Werner Herzog is the bad guy, and not just for his movies. Oh, That was the main thing that I recognized from it, is that, like, I recognized, like, five of the, like, actors in it, but I had no idea what I was watching. Now, I do believe uh, uh, the Mandalorian is being played by the same actor who played the Viper... Yes. From uh, Game of Thrones. Pablo Pascal. Pablo Pascal. Oh, really? Uh, I like and him. I, and I could be wrong. Is Carrie Ann Moss mm. in... I For some reason, I thought that was the lady, but I could be wrong on that. It's a possibility. I am wrong from time to time. Like, this is so not the geek culture show. It's is he Boba Fett, or is he a he is just a He's just a Mandalorian. He's just a Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, what is the, the, the this is time framed after the Repub- after return before Force Awakens. Yes, this is in that in between like Rise of the Resistance, Rise of the First Order time period. Which explains all the stormtrooper helmets. That was a good shot. On display. That was awesome. That was a very very good shot. And I didn't have to think about that Ewoks somewhere were stewing up all that stormtrooper meat. Chewing on that. Just Delicious. Serving it up at that rebel party as pieces of the Death Star will fall upon the forest moon of Endor. Probably wrecking the environment. Which it seems like maybe we're going to see the fallout of in Rise of the Skywalker. Which is which is the next big thing. The, the sizzle reel, as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, was shown there and then uh, was put out today on YouTube. It was. Did you get a chance? I did, to... I did watch that. So, the, okay, let me just say that first bit where they kind of rehashed our childhood. Uh, yeah, I didn't need to get the, the tears into my eyes. They heard about our uh, our podcast and they were like, these guys really just tried to just light our childhood on fire. So we're going to remind you guys. How much you love us. How much you love us. How much our good guys are good or bad guys are bad. <laughs> and stop talking about how the Jedi recruit children. The Jedi were not rec- recruiting tri- children into a child army. They were. Um, but yeah, so uh, impressions, Max, of, of the, the, the sizzle reel that came out? Uh, I mean, I'm super biased. Like, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but my aunt growing up was really into them. Mm-hmm. And... I love the original movies, the, the the prequel, you know, the ones that came out, like, when I was in high school or whatever, like, you know, they have their moments, 
these new movies just are bad. Like they're just bad. Like I, I, I just, I don't know what they were trying to do. They don't feel like Star Wars movies. Like they just feel like cash grabs. Mm-hmm. And there's like no, like character that I'm really like pulling for or invested in like just everyone is annoying and like I just actively dislike them so I mean like I couldn't be less excited for them to make another one because I couldn't care less what happens to them you know (laughs) I mean I don't necessarily think you're wrong in terms of I don't feel like what they've crafted is as iconic in any way as 1977, etc. The the original trilogy. Um, you know, there's no Han Solo. Which I didn't expect them to do, but it's like... Yeah, it, there's literally nothing that could get me to rewatch any of those movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I would show the original trilogy to, like, my kids. Mm-hmm. And then tell them... They stop making movies. They just stop making them. And then you're going to show them <laughs> The Matrix 1 and be like, that was it! Yeah. <laughs> Maybe four, the vote is out, we'll see. It's just me being hopeful and, and <laughs> encouraging. Um Yeah, I, I think you know, if you think about the original A New Hope, I mean, we got to spend a lot of time with Luke and we're able to kind of focus and make hero of him. Where I gotta be honest, now that I'm thinking about The Force Awakens, like they didn't like if if Ray was supposed to do that. They cut a lot of her time to get us in, involved with also with Kylo, and in neither way did they give us enough time to build that connection to either. Um, and then you throw in Finn, and you throw in Poe, and you throw in and 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 then you you know, I can definitely say that there's no like the connection to, and it's they just. They just all feel like they're filling out archetypes. Like they're but just they're not like, even filling them out. Like, well, it's just they're not like, even filling them out. It's like they're just like it's like they're running a simulation of like a a space opera epic, and these are the characters in the simulation, and they it's like Jumanji. Like they're just like playing like the roles of the of the archetypes in that kind of movie, but they're so like they, wooden and just there's nothing about them that like. I don't know. At least to me, it was just like nothing. Well, it, that I it really felt like they tried to rush movies. to an to an ensemble real quick. Like yeah. they didn't didn't give you time to like really get the first movies. That group of people had chemistry, and like there was you know they like they there was the pull back and forth. There was yeah. Han was that was smug and and right. cocky, and Leia so was very handsome. outspoken. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it, Luke was kind of out of his element, but he yeah. becomes stronger. Like there was like, and it just. It just worked. There's, like, nothing about these new movies that really works. It's, like, they're just making them because, you know, they will sell and make money. And, like, but there's no real, like, it's not like they found some new star and they're, like, you have to be, you know, the new Han Solo or whatever. Like, And I think that what you're saying, too, is really... um kind of along the lines of the point that I was made I, I made here um, a couple of, of weeks ago when I was talking about that like personally there was a lot in The Last Jedi that, that I liked there was a lot that I observed was not good but I liked that but I, I went out of my way to point out that I think um, one of the things that Ryan Johnson was trying to really push for in The Last Jedi was we spend a lot of time 
uh, fawning over these iconic characters that we had. And I think arguably The Force Awakens suffered for us not being willing to let go uh, and move forward and build better characters by giving them more love and attention, by giving them more of what they should be, by creating richer characters. Um, I think that's a big part of what he was saying is like, go beyond. We need to mm-hmm. cut out the past. We need to like, you know, that that's not disrespecting it. That's not forgetting it. It doesn't right, cease to exist. Yeah. We don't stop having the original trilogy just because we grow past those characters. We say goodbye to them and we respect the journey that they, they brought us on and the point that they brought us to. But part of maturing as people is to grow beyond those who got us to that point um the my my favorite line in the last jedi was yoda saying the burden of masters is that we are what they must grow beyond yeah um and i think that's such a beautiful sentiment especially as a a teacher yeah um it's it's hard to realize that one day your your students if all goes really well one day your student is going to be like i did so great and you only got to point right I wish I hey. remembered that line because it's a good line. It's so a really good line. Yeah, somewhere in the in the, between like the casino and like the weird horses sure. that they were riding and mm-hmm. like I love the fox. You horses. know the, the just... <laughs> yeah. I know. I and and it felt like it felt like where the first movie like we got okay. Jakku is a terrible planet, a terrible desert planet. Tantooine two As all terrible desert planets are terrible. Um. And and Ray is making her way. She's a scavenger. But we really didn't like other than we knew that like the guy was trying to screw her over on what you know, what the scavenge that she scavenge that she brought back was worth and whatever that weird food stuff was. Um I didn't feel like we gotta like really know her like we got to know Luke, you know. Was she waiting to wanting to go to Toshi station to get power converters? You know, how many times has she had to delay sending her application to join the Imperial Navy? I mean, there was definitely no doubt when we met Luke that Luke is a kid with dreams of, of being, of trying to want to do something greater with his life. When we met Ray, she was arguably a girl who sits in the dirt in the shadow of an adept um, and picks apart junk. And I would love to feel like there was more uh, and there will continue to be more. Um, you know, that's really, that was my point when, when I talked about it was, was I wanted this idea that we're going to put the past in the past and we're going to take what we love and we're going to make a new thing out of that. It's going to become something new and something also great. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's not too late. Yeah. Um, so, so going back though to the, tri- to the sizzle really came out, um, you know, you get the, the, the ensemble shot, you get the the resistance forces flying in to then see the uh, First Order. The Imperial Fleet. Imperial Not fleet. the First Order fleet. The, that is a relevant point here. The million uh, <laughs> ships that they somehow have, even though they keep losing, like, major I, battles. I actually had the same questions and saw the answer to that in an article on the internet today. Again, I will argue this is maybe one of the failings of modern... Well, let us let me put it this way. I think this is one of the failings of what we have, are choosing to do with the modern Star Wars universe. And it is that we are telling a lot of the story outside of the movies that 
is informing. It's one thing when you're getting a little extra out of reading the books or the comic or whatever. It's another thing when things don't make sense without reading those additional materials. Yeah. That's what comic books call the big summer blockbuster crossover event where you have to read all the books or all of a sudden nothing quite makes sense. Right. I was reading an article today. <laughs> Look at you, Secret Wars 2. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Marvel, I love you. You're guilty. Um, the uh, the fleet that we see is not the First Order fleet that we've been seeing for the last two movies. It's the Imperial fleet that we saw from the original trilogy. And what I read is that the backdrop behind that is while Palpatine the Emperor was in power before he got dropped down um, a very long chute, um... He was very interested in a region of space called the Unknown Regions and sent a sizable fleet out there looking for some kind of great MacGuffin. Ah. Uh, also, also got to say to that, 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 that uh, stellar cartographer that uh, that is a great name for a region of space. You really just... You want that extra... It, it's, it's almost like, hey, we're going to this planet to get Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Maybe... The best name in all of science fiction. Joe, you get a key point for ruining me with Unobtainium. I, I hate it so much. Um, I hate it so much. Uh, yeah, what's that area? I don't know. What are you going to call it? Unknown Re- region. The unknown region. The unknown region. Sounds scary. Wait, wait, wait. Then you gotta, no, that's, that's the unknown region. What are you going to call the rest of it? The known region. What do you call this edge of the, the, the galaxy here that, that people live on? What do you, it's away from the, the galactic core. What are you going to call it? The Outer Rim. And Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Thanks, Disney. Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, the unknown region, actually, the Galaxy's Edge Disney area, is the planet that it is supposed to be, Batu, is supposed to be in said unknown region of space. Um, Palpatine very interested in what's out there because he thinks for whatever reason there's something cool out there. Uh, sends a lot of it's ships unknown. out there. That could un- be anything. Unknown, um, could be anything. It could <laughs> even be a boat. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Disney World does have, you know, Disney now has Pandora, uh. Oh my God. Avatar stuff at, uh, Animal, Animal Please. Kingdom. Please, <laughs> please let them find unobtainium out there. No, 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 I'm thinking Pandora's out there. Well, and it gets put into the uh, into the, the the Star Wars. It's a long time ago. That would probably work out good because so far they they're they're running hot, pitting primitive species with like wooden weapons up against this oh! this technological juggernaut of an imperial. That like, is a definite geek point, right? <laughs> like, like it is a yes. sharp so, so observation. The whole, the whole, the whole, I mean, I hate to be one of those guys that's like... Please be one of those you know, guys, please. Because there's a lot of movies and a lot of stories that just won't hold up if you really analyze them that close, and Star Wars is probably number one on that list. It's like, definitely, it's hot. Obviously, like, the it, Imperium is just analogous to, you know, fascism and whatever, and they're really more symbolic than they are. But it's like, where do they keep getting this shit from? <laughs> like, they have so much stuff, and it's like, they keep blowing it up, they fight them on every battlefront you can think of, they bring Wookiees and Ewoks and every menagerie of animal they have to, to you know, battle them. Right. And it's like every movie, it's like, yeah, we built something new. It's like, 
at a certain point, maybe they should get, like negotiate with these people. Wait, <laughs> could, like, but it's a bigger Death Star. Yeah, a bigger Death Star. A bigger but no, no, it's it's we like, okay. Listen, we we decided we're not going to do any more Death Stars, but instead we're going to take the weapon from the Death Star, put it on tracks or ta- or, or legs, and shoot it at you. What are we gonna call it? Well, we're gonna we're gonna kill stars. <laughs> and like, how much like how, know, how are thing. they I'm constructing sorry. this stuff in this like period of time? Like, how old is the girl in the movie? Like twenty something? Like yeah, it, like yeah. They're supposed to be they're supposed to be what between young, Return, right? between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. There's like what 20, 30 years, like thirty right? years something. Okay, like that. so at some point this first re- the, the 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 first order from Rises. the from mm-hmm. collects its collects its ass after being handed to it by the murder teddy bears. Well, yeah, like what were what were they doing in between that time that they let them like come back and start a whole new thing? Like you got to like nip that in the bud early on. Like, you're not wrong. <laughs> and you have my vote for Galactic Senate. <laughs> <laughs> That is, should definitely be the platform you're Yeah, it should. That definitely, somebody should be like, hey, hey, I know the New Republic, we've we've just kind of got ourselves together, but we really should be, like, focusing to make sure that those guys who survived this don't get this back together. I really like to yeah. think that they're off in the corner going, what? what? Like, nothing? Do, We're not doing nothing? And, like, why do people still have red lightsabers? Like, just stop making those. Like, there's no reason to have... Like, you're just well, handing it to ac- them. Here it comes. According to canon... I was trying to hold myself in. The red, lights, the red lightsaber is because the Sith break their crystal, their kyber crystal, in the creation of their lightsabers. Because they are harnessing the dark side of the Force instead of the Force. Take your geek point and get out. It's it's already there. Thank you. Thank you. Um I like too though that that your argument is like, can we just stop making assault rifles? I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah, I mean it's pretty much the same argument. It's like why, why who is manufacturing all like what is the economy of this galaxy? At some point somebody goes, like, Can we can we stop making can you guys stop making TIE fighters? Like Yeah. We won, so let's just make X wings, Y wings, B wings. Okay, don't make any more B wings. They make no sense either. They don't, but they look so cool. They were an interesting toy. Right? Yeah. Um And that's really that's really the purpose. Let's sell toys. So that's what the arms manufacturers were thinking? Yes. Okay. Which we know is true because we have seen toys of the things in the Star Wars universe in the Star Wars universe. I would love for that to be like the ending of the whole series is they just like, they basically meet like the architect of the Star Wars world and it's just Lucas and he's like, look... I need that cash. <laughs> but, listen, I, I cashed out. For I know a you guys bills. are dying and everything, and you're losing loved ones. But like, you guys have to keep fighting this war because we're selling toys like hotcakes. Like, <laughs> I mean, I really, honestly, kind of like this idea that Episode Ten is you come in and you say, "Look, guys, yes, there has been constant wars in these stars because you keep building weapons of war. Yeah, let's just stop." And there's like a negotiating table. And the resistance leader is like, we just stop? And then, like, a First Order guy, like, Kylo Ren or Hux is like, but, like, wait, what will we, do we can then? just stop? Like, I thought that was what we do. They it's have like, the same military spending stuff, budget then, that we do. And then they fight <laughs> us, and you're like, no, just stop. And they both go like, okay. So, okay, so you got the New Republic. You got the First Order. And then there's Resistance, which isn't part of the New Republic. No. 
Well, I, this is I, I really feel like now I, I should like go check out those those novels that are supposed to explain all this people tell me they're good I haven't read any of them but it's like again it's like how what why does the new Republic need a, a resistance what is I mean is this like is this like are they're they the obviously Maquis? evil too short answer because they don't want to go to war uh, but also they don't like fascists and Leia's like look Game. Guess what? I, guess what I spent my last thirty yeah, years doing. Like, I did a lot of resisting, and I'm going to keep resisting. So we're going to have this resistance. And they were like, "Look, I just don't want to know about it." Okay, yeah, it's like here's a little budget. Go here's else. some money. Okay, go take your Admiral Akbar and go somewhere else. It's a trap. I mean, they're just spending the money terribly. A, they have all these fancy ships and weapons, and like every planet they go to, the people live in huts. Like they just everybody's broke. Like spend some of that money like on the ground there is no social programs <laughs> and nothing like, like everybody's salvaging scrap like nobody has a good job well, like, that's what you're i mean with all these wars and all that crap falling onto your planet i mean if you're lucky enough to not be killed by falling star destroyers and mon Cal cruisers and you know and nebula B frigates and you know everything else you know listen you have a high likelihood if you live in the in the Star Wars galaxy of having a Tie Fighter come crashing into your hut. <laughs> At least a thirty percent chance space debris has already murdered you. Yeah. So if you survive this, never mind. I don't know whatever planet killing weapon that the Empire slash First Order is in the process of building. Which, okay, here's my thing. You did this all wrong. I'll go back to a New Hope. You have you have the goddamn space. Uh, you got the goddamn uh, Death Star. Yeah. And you're waiting for this moon to come around the corner of the gas giant Yavin. Because it's Yavin 4. It's the fourth moon of Yavin. Shoot Yavin! Blow Yavin up. Guess what Yavin 4 does? Go spinning off. Everybody dies. Yeah, and now, we go home. Yeah, but now you're using logic and facts and the whole thing will fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, it's, it's, just, it's like, I mean. I mean, the answer instead of blow up the Death Star could have been, okay, so guys, we got a plan. The plan is they're trying to come around the moon. What we're going to do is take Yavin 4 and push it the other way. <laughs> well, see, then they would have to have the, the moon jet. The, the Rebellion would have to have built their moon jet. Rebellion moon jets. And, you know, they didn't have time for that because, you know, Aztec pyramids or whatever that they were living in. Space huts. Oh, space. No, no, but they had the nice pyramid yeah, thing. It was just a nice space hut from Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> but, no, it's like... And, and that was like the one thing like I liked with with uh, Force Awakens, the Star Killer was like you don't even have to shoot the damn thing. Just go park that in the system that you want to mess with. Eat their star. Guess what happens when there's no more star at the center of your solar system? No suntans. Yes, yes. Um, also, the gravity that was keeping your planet in orbit and that that golden zone that allows for life. The Goldilocks zone? Yeah. Um, you now go spinning off again into space that you can't survive in. Um, you know, never mind the gravitational and tectonic and tidal forces that are going to rip your planet apart. Joe? Yes? You would make a very good space fascist. <laughs> I just want you to know. Just say with the utmost love and respect. I'm just I'm just saying, is guy, why are we trying to blow up planets if you're going to try to blow something up, well, okay, first off, blow up moons. Just take out the planet that it orbits. You showed that it could blow up a planet when you took out Alderaan. Spoiler alert. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> 42 years uh, to watch this movie. 
Um, it, it just, I don't know. I really question the tactical and strategic genius that of, of Grand Moff Tarkin and all of the other Moffs and military strategists of the Empire. I, you know what? I, I'm going to question the entire Imperial Academy system. You're putting the system on trial! Like, honestly, I'm going to say it. The Emperor, not, not really good. Not, not yeah, doing he's a not job. doing a great job. No, I mean, like, beyond really the mass poverty, except for on Coruscant. Good luck. On seeking a second term, Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> exactly. If you ran for election and... Okay, they don't have elections. You don't elect emperors? No. No, and he also disbanded the Senate at a certain point. Mm. <sighs> oh, well, I guess... Um, anything else from D23 we want to cover? Uh, park-wise, uh, Avengers Academy? Avengers Academy. Which will be appearing at all the Disney parks in some form or another, and they're going to be linked in uh, some form or another. That'll be appearing in Disney parks that are not east of the Mississippi. Thank no, you, there's going to be no, there's going to be a connection to the Guardians. The Guardians ride, ride which that's as far as it's going to go. Which seems odd place to put the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Are you somehow implying that Guardians of the Galaxy is not based on hard factual science? Well, I mean, we do know that UV. Light does show up bodily fluids, so that <laughs> that that tracks. Um, oh, that's dirty. That's 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 a geek point. That's, <laughs> that's another dirty geek point. But you know, actually, I will say no. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like, I know they're gonna. I think I also saw some that there's gonna be like a, a Moana uh, thing in Epcot as well. I didn't hear that. I mean, the, the, there was a lot of news, and I might, um, might have missed that. But yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, sorry, doesn't belong in Epcot. Put it in, you know, Hollywood Studios or whatever you're calling MGM Studios these days. Tomorrowland? Can we put it in Tomorrowland? You could put it in Tomorrowland. You could. I mean, if you want to blend your Toy Story and Can Disney we stuff. Put it in the Contemporary Hotel? No, because I never got to stay there as a kid. Oh, fair. Fair. I like riding the monorail through the contemporary yeah, hotel. Yeah. Like, I don't even need to go in the park. I will just show up, pay nothing, get in the monorail, ride around, go through the contemporary, look at rich people, and move on. I would say maybe to stop, get off at the Polynesian, have dinner at the restaurant there. Lovely. The, the Polynesian buffet. Thumbs up. It's Although, nice. Boma at the uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge. Oh, I haven't gone to there. Very nice. Is it? Very nice buffet there. Nice. Yes. That wasn't really geek talk, though. That was <laughs> a different kind that of was, situation that was, altogether. That was yeah. kind of I mean, chubby. That was that was chubby, chubby guy talk. It's part geek talk. It's another I podcast. <laughs> I don't, the, I'd like to be on that one. The food, the food of Disney parks. Uh, just podcast. Food, just just about the, the food cast. Fat and <laughs> eating food. We hadn't time. talked about Max's other profession, which is being a professional chef. Yeah, well, sort of a former profession, but here and there, I, I do dabble in the cooking things. From time to time. That's a good profession. Yeah, it can be. Although, it, it definitely, uh, from, from when we tried to get Max into the gaming group, did make for a tough schedule. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it's really not ideal for the, any the, kind of social life. The, the work-life balance and being a, yeah, a it's chef. Not good. It's not good. Yeah, you kind of have to be married to it, for sure. Uh, anything else from D23 we wanted um, to go over? I mean, there were a lot of movie, other movie, Disney movie-related stuff that, that came out um, that, I mean, I'm okay with leaving yeah. leaving for the future. 
Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff that doesn't really fall under my particular purview of interests. Lady and the Tramp uh, trailer came out. 101. Oh, excuse me. Cruella DeVille, the movie. Um, information. Oh boy, they're just taking everything. They really are. Um, Which kind of. Just think about this. They did a 101 Dalmatians live action movie yeah. starring Academy Award winner Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. And I believe Jeff Daniels played the father in that. I want to say, but I, I don't remember, I but maybe was, it's yeah. been a long time. It's been a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not only do those are 101 Dalmatians, but they did a sequel. Oh, and what was that movie called? 102 Dalmatians. Delightful. <laughs> so whimsical. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I saw that, they're like, oh, Emma Stone's Cruella de Vil. I was like, hmm. and I was like, is this like, is this like the Maleficent movie where this is like a prequel? She's playing a young Glenn Close. She's playing a young Glenn Close who I guess just doesn't like dogs very much. And then grows to murderous hatred. I mean, they just make such good clothes. Like, I can't tell you the number of times I'm... Although, honestly, though, the Middle Ages, uh, having a fur uh, stole uh, or fur mantle made from uh, Dalmatian fur was, was a thing that royalty likes. So. Yeah, you gotta stay warm. <laughs> Spot on. I have a question. Why isn't the sequel to 101 Dalm- Dalmatians 202 Dalmatian? And then they realize, like, oh, these Dalmatians are a problem. Like, they're breeding out. <laughs> because 101 like, and wasn't. And then it turns into, like, a completely different story. It's the subtitle like, 202 Dalmatians. Now we have shit everywhere. They're like, <laughs> no, they're just. They just realize that there's something wrong with them. Like, they're like gremlins. Like, they just. Like, <laughs> if you kill one of them, it just, like. <laughs> divides into two more Dalmatians and Corell is just like she's like in jail like you see I was right about those Dalmatians like we needed to it's a renewable resource I'm making coats out of these things four stars would watch Geek Point (laughs) that's a much better movie like these dogs were cute at first, but now like this is just insane. Well, I mean, like, that was, well, yeah, I mean, exactly. They just I mean, that was the that was the whole point of like I remember seeing the cartoon as a kid. And, like you know, that's a lot of dogs. It's not possible for yeah. one dog. Yeah, to, no. There's not enough dog no. to hold that many no. dogs. No. Well, no. no, she didn't give birth to them all. What? What? No. Where, did, were you they... seen the movie? I mean, when she, I was five. She had like no, a litter and the rest litter. Were, And where did the rest come from? The rest from? of them were rescued. Yeah. But 202 Dalmatians. Like a bunch is of Chinese she... restaurants closed? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was no, a they, pound situation. They came from puppy Auschwitz. Oh, no, it was. Yeah, that, exactly. No, what, was, wait, no, hold on. What's going on in this Cruella world? Cruella had already collected a bunch of yes. them. Yeah, and they and she kidnapped the the family. She was waiting till they were a little bigger, and then they they grabbed all they they like liberated all of them. So they weren't all from the Pongo and Perita did not give birth to one hundred and one Dalmatian. I gotta go they, back and rewatch. Because you know, there were only they were already two. They again. only needed ninety nine. Yeah, they had like six puppies or something like that, and then like the rest were rescued. Yeah. Otherwise, it's two hundred and two Dalmatians. The puppy mill. Yeah, I thought that it was like the dogs were like magical or something. No, and they no. Just kept well, they did talk and, and you know figure out ways to overcome this would-be dog genocidist. Yeah, no, it was the rest of them were rescued. They've got ninety-nine problems, and every one of them is a small Dalmatian. <laughs> Not where I thought you're going. A hundred, a hundred and one of anything is a lot it's of a things. Lot. Like except I'm not for, for like money. fur and like animal cruelty but like 
if you have 101 dogs, you could probably spare 20 for a coat. Like, <laughs> let's be realistic here. How much That's is she terrible. charging? The, <laughs> the first half of the 20th century was a very affluent time <laughs> in the British countryside. <laughs> I forgot that, so that, did, that was supposed to take place in, in England, not... Yeah. Not yeah, the, the the owners were in London, right? They learned Londoners. Yeah, Disney likes to set things in like London and surrounding areas. Peter Pan was that way too. Well, but Peter Pan, I mean, that's the source material, so, right? Right. Um, but also, one hundred one Dalmatians it was the source material. Was that a? I wasn't aware that it was a. I, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I really just threw that out there hoping I'd be Is right. that like a story, or did did Disney just was that an original I think it does story? Have an, I think it does have an older origin, but I mean, if you think about it, England is where all the stories come from, right? No, Germany. Germany well, is where all the stories come from. Well, they're, yeah, Any, they're everywhere just, but here. <laughs> well, excuse me, Paul Bunyan. There's, there's, there's some messy reasons for that. that probably we should save for another <laughs> that's a, podcast. That's a podcast. <laughs> did you beat me to it? Was there a hundred and one Dalmatians book? It's like weird. We don't get a lot of Aztec and indigenous Indian stories, and mm. we should because some of them are very good. Yeah, I'm sure they were. <laughs> 1956 novel, mm-hmm. The 101 yeah. Dalmatians, or The Great Dog Robbery. <laughs> now, see, that sounds like a much more interesting movie, A Great Dog Robbery. The Great Dog Robbery. Movie. Which is in a shared universe, since that's what we love nowadays with The Great Train Robbery, and it's The Great Dog Train Robbery. I was thinking of, it's in the same universe as All Dogs Go to Heaven. All people who have 101 Dalmatians have gone straight to hell. What? Because they have too many dogs. But that's okay. So you know that's something you'd also think about. So these animals, these dogs, are rescued from Cruella Deville, and they're brought to this poor family who now has a hundred and one. And didn't they have a baby to, too? Yes, like, they, didn't they, they just end up having have a baby? Kids? They decide to keep all of them. I gotta think somewhere in like the English laws, you know, pip pip cheerio and all that stuff. Right, you've got too many dogs. <laughs> Even if you were very wealthy and you had like an a lot of land, that's an insane amount of. To my any recollection, kind of they lived in a townhouse. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say yeah. like a row house they or did. consider being their neighbors oh, and god. the joy of that life. Oh god! Oh god! Um, I just want to figure is when Mister Whoever has to walk the dogs every couple hours, whatever. Just the like process. I mean, I take out our two, and it's you know. I'm, I'm out there for a good half hour. And I just sit out there while they run around the backyard. There's no backyard. And I'm pretty sure he was a jingle writer to my recollection. So. Not pulling in a big check. Exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well. well Dalmatians are, I mean, I had Dalmatians growing up. They're energetic. Like, They're they, they energetic. need a lot of, like, they love to eat. Like, that, yeah. that was not. That's not going to work out long term. So Something's got to be done with those dogs. The unseen epilogue was definitely him selling them back to Cruella Deville. <laughs> yeah. Like at least seventy five. That should have been the end of the movie, as they're like you know, as the as well, uh, Dean's face he just turns to his wife. Didn't she get eaten by the crocodile? <laughs> Thought she got eaten by like the alligator or something. At I don't the end really of that. actually remember no, what her Captain fate Cook. was at the end. No, Isn't but it? there was an, there was an alligator in 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 England. Yes, because she, but she I had like a menagerie. An alligator. I thought there was like a car accident or something, because she was always like there was always the crazy car driving. Right, but we're yeah. gonna have to go back and watch yeah. 101 Dalmatians. We definitely need to, yeah, <laughs> report back. The and come back for the podcast. We can just do a whole episode on breaking down. <laughs> we're gonna, <laughs> just, we're, we're gonna break Disney movies. That's down. our bonus and minisode. Ooh, can that be my segment? I can do like Disney animation. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, but then we're going to try to go, apply we logic. we got to do a deep dive on that one and be like, this really, this doesn't hold up. <laughs> Whole new podcast. Whole new cast. 99 problems and they're all Dalmatians? <laughs> no, 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 not just, I think if you like go and look at any, some of these, the any of the, the, the you know, not princess Disney movies, there are some... There's oh yeah, there's, there's definitely some some problematic <laughs> scenes to say the least. <laughs> the the Indians in Peter Pan oh. Uh, oh. Are, are, oh. always a big uh, recall for me. Yeah, no, that's, I remember uh, being a kid and looking at that like even I know this is in bad taste. Like <laughs> I don't even know why, but there's just you don't what? depict people like this in in why, normal why, movies. Why is Christopher and Peter doing? That? <laughs> Oh, oh! All right. So, uh, anything else geek-wise we need to cover? Oh, oh, oh! So, uh, from the world of tabletop role-playing games. Oh yes, yes, yes. Wizards of the Coast announced uh, that in November they'll be rolling out the setting book that's been long waited by a lot of folks: Eberron Rising from the Last War. Um, so the Eberron setting, for those who are unaware, and if you're a geek and you're unaware of the Eberron setting, shame on you. No. Uh, but Eberron is, uh, is a setting which kind of, I've heard some people refer to it as mage punk or magic punk. Uh, there is a blending of the fantasy setting, but with magic cranked up to like 11. So there's stuff like things called lightning rails. Which kind of are like uh, trains that run across, but they're powered by elemental forces. Um, there is going to be, uh, I think, two or three new races in uh, the book. Which I believe are going to be the Warforged, the Kalistar, and the Shifters. And there will be a new class, the Artificer. Uh, which D&D has been bouncing around in their Unearthed Arcana uh, monthly feature for... Three, four years now trying to figure out. Originally, they presented it in an Unearthed Arcana as a wizard uh, school. Um, and then a year or two ago, they rolled it out uh, as its own and it's bounced around. Um, there's a lot of excitement because this will be kind of the, f well, not counting the Ravnica book, um, but this will be the first non Forgotten Realms DD setting rolled out. Uh, I know. The Ghost of Salt Marsh uh, technically takes place in uh, Greyhawk, but it's not specifically spelled out like that. Um, but this this setting, um, you know, it, it if you it came the Aberron setting came out in the third edition of D and D. It was a contest they had, um, and uh, the con the winner of it had this idea. There was a war that ended a few years ago, and the war ended with a uh, Hiroshima Nagasaki sort of event where a kingdom was basically wiped out um, and it's turned into something called the Mornland. and the drama is these five nations are trying to adjust to this world where they're not they aren't at war anymore but they are kind of at war and it's it's a, it's a real interesting setting I, I have played in a few campaigns in the setting um, sounds interesting I mean, it sounds pretty cool yeah it definitely it definitely has a lot to offer um you can bring in more anachronistic to the you know usual medieval fantasy to it. So, like I said, they have yeah. airships, they have the lightning rails. You have uh, there is a, a city in a kingdom called Breland uh, called Sharn, and it's known as the City of Towers. It's built with you know 
skyscrapers basically that were right, formed yeah. via magic and and elemental abilities. So I definitely remember at some point somebody was putting together an Eberron based campaign. Um, was that you? That wasn't you. That was it. That no. I was involved in. No. Uh, gosh, who was that? I don't even recall now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely like the idea that it's it's mixing up some old tropes and and um, you know put, putting them all in the blender and and giving an opportunity to inject some fresh ideas into into the formula. Uh, that is certainly always a fun thing. Um, was Eberron the setting of D&D Online? Why am I feeling like that? It was. was it, right? I, it was, I believe, originally it was the setting for, for, for DDO. Um, and I think DDO is still around. I am pretty sure it is still around. I mean, I know... Freemium um, Yeah, I know. Model. Yeah, I, I, I know they also have the Neverwinter uh, MMO as well that's on the freemium model as well. Mm-hmm. I, I did myself play DDO a little bit. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I am not a big MMO player. I am not wild about feeling like in order to accomplish tasks, I need to be social with strangers. Um, that's that's like literally the exact opposite advice my parents gave me. Um, <laughs> not that I ever listened to them. But, um, yeah, I just never really got much into the the... The MMO model in any particular form. I was not a big WoW player or, or DDO or any of that. But I did play DDO a little bit. And I, I actually, I really had fun in that it, um, I I liked that because I had about three other friends that we all talked about it at the same time and we all jumped in at the same time and stayed like the same level and grouped up in that way. Like it became fun until then, you know, life comes up and and people just don't have time to commit to it anymore. Yeah, um, I, I got a little into MMOs, but I had like you like you said, yeah, like a three four group of friends. We had a bit of a bigger thing going on, um, but what I missed, like I played in the age of I played in the age of Conan one. I played in oh, Eve yeah. Online, um, and when everyone and I tried that Star Wars one, but what got me was back you know originally uh, MMO RPG. But there was no role playing, um, and uh, I remember that's what kept me from going to WoW. With friends of mine who had been in all these other ones were like, like when they played Star Wars, they would role play because they were like they played Imperial forces, and when they came into town, they were like, "Yo, bring out the." Rebels. I knew a lot of people that did that with like uh, galaxies, like Star Wars yeah. galaxies. Yeah, um, but like so they did that in galaxies, but when they went to WoW, they tried to do role playing. They were even on a role play server, and it was like. They look for group you know they they're like there's no role playing here and that was the same thing with age of conan we were like there's no role playing it's not really scratching that itch for us to yeah. do it's now it's just we're completing quests and yeah you know, um, and griefing people i i did try to inject role playing into DD online uh and that was really my first foray into mmos so i didn't realize that it's like oh we've got servers for role players and servers for non-role players and it was just whatever i server i started on and i i definitely like made a rogue and started leveling started leveling up and then went around declaring to everybody that i was the mad thief king of the town and it was pretty much like if i were to just go down the street and do that and people are rolling down their their windows and yelling get out of the road jackass um, that was that was basically my experience. Or, or, or throwing quarters at you. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, yeah. It was 
people mostly just tried to ignore me or sell me bitcoins. That was about it. <laughs> if you only got those bitcoins. If only I had gotten in on DDO bitcoins, I would now be bitcoin. <coughs> bitcoin any, rich. any MMO experiences? Uh, no, not really. I have a bunch of friends now that are trying to get me to play WoW Classic, but uh, I, I never played it before when it was a thing, so I don't really feel like taking on the task now since it seems like a lot of work. <laughs> but um, no, I never really uh, got into those kind of games. It's just uh, very time-consuming. <laughs> that, that was the other thing. Was like I remember it's like you, you get home... Start it up while you're, you know, throwing your burrito in the oven, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, playing. It just, it was a lot. And then, who has the time? Yeah, and I feel like, um, I mean, certainly not everybody is like this. But in the experience, I tangentially would have hearing people talk about it. It was like, well, I'm going to need you to have uh, five more levels and hit 40 by Tuesday because we're going to do a raid or you're out of the guild. And it's like, no, that's yeah. not a thing I have yeah. time in my life for. Well, like, the group I, I belong to when I played Eve, like, our our catchphrase or whatever, our motto was casual gamers. Yeah. Casual gamers, serious results, something like that. So, like, if you're like, hey, I can only be on for two hours tonight, you're only on for two hours and no one gave you grief for, like, hey, got to check out. Yeah. Um, but I've when we were playing Age of Conan, like, hey, I you know, I gotta go. It's you know two o'clock in the morning, and I have to. At the time, I was teaching. And I was like, I've got to be in the classroom at seven twenty in the morning, so yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah it becomes like work. Like, yeah, right. right, and that sucks all like, the time. I'm not fun a right big D and D player, but like at least from what I've seen, it's like D and D is like an experience. Like you get together with people and like you mm-hmm. interact and it's more of like an experience whereas like just logging on to this game every day to like min max for a couple hours is like exactly it's just like such a slog like mm-hmm. yeah all right so we're uh coming towards the end of this episode this extra long episode our d23 special our d23 special i think that's gonna be the title Sweet. uh so kayla let's uh let's hold up the scoreboard so Pete, you you wrangled out six six geek points, failing us all once more. Uh, Max uh, seven, and somehow I pulled out ten. Turn around last week, finishing last to be the geekiest. You are the geekiest. I am Joe. the geekiest. So uh, Joe, you can follow me on Twitter at at Demorgus. Uh, you can follow the podcast at the Geekiest Pod, um, and you can find us on any of the social medias there and Facebook. Uh, I'm Pete. I'm on Twitter at the It's Just Pete, and I am featured from time to time as Orion on the Not Safe for Wizards actual play D and D podcast. Uh, I'm I'm not really on anything. <laughs> uh, if if that changes, uh, I come back. Or maybe I'll I'll have some social media things to plug, but I don't really. I, I tend to live most of my life in the real world these days, unfortunately. So, Well, uh, we appreciate you coming, Max. And uh, for all of us here at The Geekiest... Oh, Kayla, where can people reach you Hi. on the social medias? <laughs> I was determined this week we were not going to... You're not going to forget Kayla? Yeah. Um, okay, so on Twitter associated with the show, you can find me at Hawk underscore Kayla. Um, at, uh, let's see, everything else is um, my other business, which is my store at Secondhand Goddess. 
on on everything uh and then my amateur photography and stuff like that you can find at daisy bear photography on facebook all right so for the geekiest podcast uh thanks for listening and we'll be back next week hey there listener before we get out of here just want to uh ask you to do us a little favor um two little favors one if you go to apple podcasts leave us a rating and review there five stars would be great but hey we're leaving that up to you and second would be share the podcast with your friends family co-workers whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture uh that would definitely help us thanks for listening the preceding program was brought to you by armored bear productions